Welcome back. This is the Sports Counterpoints Podcast. I'm your host, GB. Uh, on the lines, as usual, Jay Coop and B. Maury. What's up, guys? Welcome back. Thank you much. Looking forward hey. to this. Got What's it. What's going on? What's up, Coop? What's up, Brian? So we got a good show for you. Um, I mean, I'd say they're all good, but, you know, I might be slightly biased one time. So uh, today's episode, just to give you insight on the date, it is October 30th, 2018. Uh, our episode today going to be, pro- um, I'd say, probably half and half NFL and uh, NBA for this one. Uh, we'll be talking about some NBA predictions that we had in the last episodes that we think we're are already falling off track. Uh, we'll do a section called Fired Up. Coaches that have already gotten gone or need to get gone, and that's in the NFL and the NBA, um, as well as the next guys on deck who should be watching for their job. A section I call Fitz Magic or Crab Snatching. That is about uh, Jameis Winston coming back uh, and Ryan Fitzpatrick, a little quarterback controversy in Buccaneerland in Tampa Bay. We'll talk about some NFL trades, some players that have switched addresses and zip codes, uh, a little bit of action on our team, the Lakers, as well as a new segment at the end. We'll get into that a little bit later. So uh, let's get it started with our NBA, excuse me, NBA predictions that were off base. Jason, go ahead and get us rolling. Okay. Uh, looks like my first one is Oklahoma City. Uh, after tonight's win against the Clippers, they are now two and four. The only other team that they've beaten is Phoenix, who we all know is is terrible. Uh, I'm kind of actually enjoying watching this team lose games. Number one, because I actually bet that they wouldn't win 50 games this year. So my pick is looking pretty good. Uh, last year, I bet that they wouldn't win 49. And it is, I believe, and I won that one, too. Um you guys all know my feelings about Russell Westbrook, so I'm not going to really go into that. But um, I look at this team, and Paul George picked Russell Westbrook over LeBron, which is something personally I would never do. But it's not that he just chose Paul Russell Westbrook. Uh, he chose below-average coaching with uh, Billy Donovan and a supporting cast that's not going to get him anywhere near the title and maybe barely out the first round. Uh, so... But I still think this team will rebound. I still don't think they'll be that good, and they'll be probably a first round out uh, in the playoffs. But Oklahoma City right now is sitting two and four. But of course, I still expect them to make the playoffs, and it's still early in the season. Uh, Houston is one and four. Uh, I think they'll pick up wins, but like I said in the uh, NBA preview, this is not a 60 win team or a championship team. They'll definitely pull back. Uh, I do believe the loss of Ariza is hurting them. Um, they're trying to get Jimmy Butler. So maybe for four first round picks, um, I understand why they're doing it. They're going all in. They've been going all in the last couple of years. They might as well keep doing it. Uh, I think Jimmy Butler will help them win some games, um, and maybe improve the team a little bit, but I still don't believe they'll, it'll be enough to actually, you know, beat the Warriors and win a title. And the last team I was off of my prediction was the Washington Wizards. Um, this team is not playing very well right now. Uh, I don't exactly know what the problem is. Um, Like I said in the NBA preview, um, this team's window has closed. Uh, Maybe the team is getting tired of each other, and I don't think they have the right coach in Scott Brooks. So this team is just pretty much treading water, and it looks like it's hitting a low point right now. Of course, there's plenty of time in the season to rebound, uh, but right now, with their record, uh, it's, it's it's not looking good right now. So We'll see what happens uh, 
later in the later in the season. Right now they're sitting at one and six, which is really bad. Um, and those are my predictions that I was uh, that I was off. Well, I wouldn't say you're really off with with any of those, right? Because, like you said, Oklahoma and Houston will probably rebound. I, I agree with that. Um, you know, I, I definitely think that they're just getting a slow start. I also think that the Lakers will win more games than than at the pace that they're winning right now. They only got one, right? So, um, two, but two. Excuse yep, me, yep, right? Yep. <laughs> uh, and, and hopefully, hopefully, going to get a third tomorrow uh, against <laughs> Dallas. But you know, so. It's it, like we've always been saying, these are way too early. I wouldn't go as far as saying that those predictions are, are off. I wouldn't say mine because I'm in the same boat, right? I, I picked Houston and, and Oklahoma City to do do well. I still think that they'll get in the playoffs. I wholeheartedly agree with you about um, the loss of Ariza. I said that uh, during our first uh, podcast on the NBA, and and I, I, I know that they're they're missing that because Carmelo just can't replace that. Carmelo can score – but Carmelo isn't the, the 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 guy that you need, the dog that you need in order to win uh, championships. You know, when the Lakers lost Ariza, they immediately replaced him with a bigger dog, right? They went and they got Ron Artest. Um, and you you need to have those types of guys, um, and they just didn't replace that on on Houston's team. Anyways, a couple of predictions that I think that I'm off on. Uh, again, um, these are I, I'm not calling myself out too much on this, but I think that Toronto is the best team in the East. When I watch them play, um, they look really, really good. The defense is solid all around. Um, and I, I, I put the Celtics ahead of them. Um, I don't think that the Celtics have gotten too much worse or that they're not going to be very good, or, or I don't think that that was a bad call. I just think that the, the reality of it is, is that Toronto looks really good. Kawhi Leonard has come back and hasn't skipped a beat. Looks like one of the, the best players in the league again. Um, all around, they're getting great play. Kyle Lowry is what, leading the league in assists with 11 a game. Um, and then Milwaukee is another team that I also think is probably the second best team in there. So again, a better than the Celtics. I'm not saying that there's going to be a lot that's going to separate these three teams, but I am going to say that Milwaukee, I think has five players in the tops of defense, uh, defensive efficiency, um, Giannis, uh, being the guy at the top and, and he's what, one of the top, one of the leaders in scoring, one of the leaders in rebounds, I mean, the guy's playing amazing basketball, uh, and the team looks poised to do some really big things. So, you know, it, where I think I got off, I went wrong is I thought Toronto would need more time to adjust, more time to, to coalesce, um, but that has taken almost no time at all. Uh, Jason, you and I kind of talked about how there would be a black cloud over the league, uh, over that team because um, because we thought that Kawhi would be, you know, looking to leave. And, and while he may very well, um, the team is definitely doing a great job of, of not looking at that right now, letting the season play out, and um, and they look really good. Uh, another one that I, another prediction that I made is it has nothing to do with with uh, positions is uh, positions and standings is that LeBron isn't going to be the MVP. I mean, he's already probably cost the Lakers two games, and and that might be it might seem harsh, but in the the fight game, he didn't do anything after that, and then down the stretch, he's missing free throws and. Um, and, and just not making clutch plays. But the other the other thing that was kind of dependent uh, needed to happen in order for LeBron to kind of secure an MVP is the Lakers needed to look like they're a better team. And, and this is no different than what they were doing last year. Um, and he was supposed to bring the players together already for the first time since both 
Brandon Ingram and Kuzma have been on the same team. There seems to be a little bit of an extra competition. Um, I don't know that that's necessarily going to cause problems, but we'll talk about that one a little bit later. Uh, and so, anyways, LeBron is going to be the MVP. I feel feel like I got this right because I said that the the league was wanted to give LeBron the MVP, but that Giannis was going to be the best player. Um, so I, I, you know, I think that that's kind of what's, what we're actually going to have to see, or we're actually going to see. So, uh, Giannis, and I also think Kawhi has a, a good chance to, as well as he's playing on both sides. I picked, uh, Kawhi possibly as the defensive, uh, player of the year. His defense has been great, but his offense is surprisingly, uh, hasn't skipped a beat. Um, and then I'm not sure about this. Uh, you know, I picked the Celtics coach, uh, to be the, the coach of the year, but I think there's a dark horse chance that Nick Nurse, um, who's the coach of the Toronto Raptors, could possibly sneak away with it just because of, of what he's able to do. And if they win the East and, and best the Celtics, um, I think there's a chance that, that you'll get some, some, some talk around uh, somebody who's relatively unknown, bringing a lot of uh, moving pieces together in a difficult situation, not playing in the big leagues. Um, when I say the big leagues, I mean the U.S., and and putting that team together. So those are some predictions that I uh, that I, I feel you know are probably going to end up in ways that I didn't think they would have uh, two weeks ago. Well, you know, considering what happened to Wayne Casey, Nick Nurse might not want to win. Uh, <laughs> That's a know, valid you, point. You win no award, you get fired. So yeah. Yep. And well, and so and then Dwayne Casey gets to sit on the sideline and and watch uh, um, what's his name uh, go over and. and uh, make horrible passes and inbound passes. I mean, that's just, you, you know, I, I, I said Blake Griffin is just, he's never going to be part of anything serious. And, and that's no. exactly why. You can't inbound the ball, right, with, with seven seconds left. And he couldn't get it to a guy who's two feet in front of him. Right. And then you watch Dwayne Casey just just spin around and do a, yeah. do, do a dance. Uh, it, it was, anyways, Dwayne Casey is going to have a rough year, but yeah. – um, Maybe yeah, maybe Nick Nurse doesn't want uh, doesn't want that one. <laughs> yeah, that's wow, that's kind of tough. I thought uh, Blake had actually a pretty good game. A couple of games I saw he a while well, back he dropped he took, like, 50. 50. He, he had a huge crazy. game. I think uh, yeah, and then he lost the next one for him. Yeah, it's go. Cool. I mean, to me, there's so many teams that still have to figure it out. It's like we said, way too early. So a lot to go on. And my um, the one thing I kind of feel like I would probably take back when I was talking about um, Harden getting MVP again when if we're going to talk about someone winning it, winning it again it'd probably be Curry because that boy is hooping isn't everybody on that team hooping I mean Clay just went crazy that's the that's what it's the first against him the most yeah the yeah it's everybody's so good that's what works against everybody on that team right yeah. is everybody else is so good uh what the, the first there's only three teams in history that have had uh, 40 point uh, scores, three four, three different 40 point scores in consecutive games. Um, so that was Katie's, uh, Steph, and Clay in their last three consecutive games. Like the last one before that was was like Jerry West's uh, Lakers. Oh, I thought you were, um, I thought you were gonna say Dream you know, Team '92. Yeah, and then the Detroit team uh, that had like Terry, Cum- uh, not Terry Cummings, but uh, um, Mark Aguirre. No, well, yeah, he was. It was that was the that was the time frame that they okay. had three. Those so three teams were old school Lakers, old school Detroit, and then the, the current Warriors team, uh, which is is pretty impressive, right? When you have three players that are that good that they can drop forty. Yeah. Period. That's great. But for them yep. to do it in three consecutive games is 
uh, outstanding. It also says a lot about the chemistry that these guys have this year. For sure. Um, and how unselfish, right? Because the first thing Clay said uh, when when uh, afterwards is it talks to how unselfish Curry is because at halftime, his only advice was go get it. Yeah. Right? Go get go get the record, his record. Yeah, well, definitely. Well, yeah. And one of, I like to add, one of the reasons I love Curry uh, is because of his uh, self-awareness and his understanding of the game of basketball. And what I mean by that is I'm just not talking about the three-point shots and everything. I'm talking about how he can share the ball with his teammates with Clay, but also recruit a player like Kevin Durant to his team to help him continue winning because he's secure in himself that he can play with other stars. And I think that's a very underrated quality about players today. Well said. And I think Curry, Curry doesn't get enough credit for that. I was going to say, I don't know if it's underrated. I just think there's so few players who, who really bring that to the table. I completely agree with you about Curry. He is just an outstanding basketball player. I mean, you know, he's, uh, he's certainly living a blessed life, right? There's not yeah. much, uh, much, much going, going wrong for him. And, and I think he's reaping the instant karma of, of, you know, what he puts out there, which is all yeah. good. Yeah. I bet his, his dad being in the league probably helps with that too. Uh, oh yeah. Def- yeah. Yeah, but, yeah, I just like too. the self-awareness. Love his self-awareness as yeah. a player. Has there ever been a, a team like that where two players, two current players' fathers played in the league on the same yes. team? Yes. Yes. Um, they had this stat. God, it was years ago. Okay. Um, but I think the old school time, Knicks had it one time, right? They had Tim Hardaway you know, Jr. Sure, and, but uh, like even current, there was um, Grant Hill was playing on a – a team, um, Kobe and oh, Luke, Kobe and Luke Bryant. Uh, sorry, uh, Luke Walton. I smell you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, true that, true that. Um, but there's, yeah, there's been a couple different instances. Um, yeah, there okay. was even one instance where the two fathers had played together at some point in time. Now it's super common in, in high school, right? You know, I was yeah, right. Sierra Canyon. Right, right, they right. They got, you know, they got uh, Kenyon Martin, uh, Pippen. They got, you know, they're practically, they could do a parental all-star game uh, against some of the kids that they've got so many NBA, ex-NBA uh, players with their kids in schools. But, yeah, yeah, in the NBA, it's happened a few times. And I think I remember the Knicks having Tim Hardaway Jr. and Glenn Robinson Jr. on the same team. That was so. exactly, and yeah. there's, I think those are the two. They, at some point in time, I think they're uh, ten, um Tim Hardaway and uh, Glenn Roberts from the same team. So I think that was yeah. the one that was talking about. But for one minute, they overlapped at some yeah. point. Well, I don't think two people's sons have been this nice. So we can end on that. No. No, uh, uh, not at all. No. no. <laughs> all right. Um, yeah. And, and I don't think there's actually been a case where you've had players who so far exceeded their um, their dads. And it's not like either one of them were bad. Del Curry was yeah. a player. Yeah. Uh, right? He, oh, yeah. Uh, definitely. Yeah, Michael Thompson was a player, uh, but their sons are uh, future Hall of Famers. Yeah, and, and real quick, I actually watched Dale Curry play against the Warriors one year. I actually went to the game, and he this is when the three-point line was further back. It's not as close as it is now. And he was shooting threes without, without jumping. I mean, he just got it, just stroked it, and just went down the court. He wasn't much of a defensive player or anything else, dribble or whatever, but when he shot the ball, he could shoot threes long range without jumping. So well, you, you got to get that. With Cur- yeah, you got to get that stroke from somewhere. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> somewhere to teach him. Yes. For real, though. Word <laughs> up. All right. Uh, just a little sidebar. So our next um, topic is what I like to call fired up coaches that need to get gone or already got gone. 
Uh, these are coaches that have been fired or are on the hot seat. Let's start with the NBA, um, and we'll kick it to you, Brian. Cool. Well, so we all know Ty Lue got, uh, got let go. Um, and I think everybody knew that that was eventually going to happen. I don't necessarily uh, agree that he should have been let go this soon, but I'll get into that in a minute. All that said, the dude gets 15 mil over the next three years, so there's not going to be a whole lot of crying. It's not like, you know, the uh, college players when they blow a knee and lose their whole career and don't get paid. You know, in, in, in Ty Lue's instance, he's still going to get his money. Um, <laughs> you like that? Uh, I like that. <laughs> so, uh, so I'm not going to cry too hard for him. But, um, but he should have been given a chance, man. I mean, Love has been out injured. Jason, you predicted that, right? Um, about half the games, they haven't had their, their big money talent. Um, the team just lost their centerpiece. They're trying to find themselves. Um, and the guy gets three weeks. I mean, you know, what was the point? What was the point of, of even having him there during the offseason if he was only going to get three weeks? What, what was the wide bother putting all those players through trying to find the team's identity with that coach if you're only going to give them three weeks? Uh, minus him coming in and dropping a deuce on the desk, I don't see why – he should have, you know, he should have uh, gotten fired this soon. Anyways, let's talk about some other coaches. Um, I, 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 my, my list is not does not mimic um, kind of Vegas's list because if if you remember the first, the top of that list was was actually Luke Walton at seven and four. Um, Ty Lue was at like fifteen to one, right? So we already have a long shot as our as our our, our winner in the uh, who's going to get fired first category. The next coach that I think that will get fired, I'm not saying it'll necessarily happen immediately or even anytime soon. I would imagine if it's going to happen during the season, it probably won't be until the All-Star break. That's Thibodeau. Um, you know, the players don't like him. Jimmy Butler's trying to get away from him. But even Cat and some others who have now come out and said, I, you know, I appreciate what he's done. He just rubs people the wrong way. Um, and the team isn't going to perform at the level that they expect. And if they find themselves anywhere near outside of the playoffs, um, they'll just do it now. Either way, at the end of the season, there's almost no chance that he's the head coach um, at the end of this, after the end of the season. So, you know, if, if things get a little dicey, I can see him getting cut pretty soon. Um, and I think he's earned the right to get cut. Uh, I've never been a Thibodeau fan. I've never understood why everyone thought that he was going to be a great coach. He's, you know, he, he was the uh, the the assistant to Doc Rivers in this, uh, for the Celtics era, and all of a sudden he's a great coach because he's got four D. He because he was a great defensive mind. He had four Hall of Famers or three Hall of Famers in Rondo, uh, who was an All Star at that point in time. And the one thing that everybody knew, Ray Allen was a, a, a you know workaholic. He was going to play hard. Paul uh, Paul Pierce had a lot of heart. He was going to work hard. And you know KG might be one of the most intense players you ever play the game. It wasn't exactly a, a a huge accomplishment to get those guys to play defense to win a championship. But that's how he kind of built his career. Um, he never did what he was meant, meant to do in in, uh, in the Bulls and so on and so forth. So. You know, Thibodeau, uh, I would say, would be the first guy got gone. Um, the next one is Hoiberg. Um, sorry, Bulls fans, but uh, he's just a bad coach. It, it's not, you know, it's there's no conspiracy against him. Um, if you, for all the people who watched the Warriors game, 
uh, it was evidence of that. Pretty, they didn't even look like they they had any business being in the same arena and gym. Um, and that's that's on him. Um, he's just not a dynamic leader of men. You know, he's assistant coach material, uh, and that's fine. There are plenty of people who are very well suited to be long term assistant coaches who do quite quite well. Tex Winter was never a great. Um, you know, uh, head coach, but he was obviously never a great head coach in the pros. So he was a great head coach in, in college. Um, you know, there's some, some people who just aren't, I think Hoiberg's one of those guys, uh, the bulls aren't going to be very good this year. So it'll be pretty easy to watch him go. Um, and then I'm going to talk about Luke real quick. I actually think he gets the full season. Um, from there, I think it matters what happens and who's available. So I think if, uh, if, if the Lakers end the season and there's real a real chance they're going to be able to make a trade for an, an Anthony Davis or there's a real chance that Katie's going to talk to him and Kawhi and um, you know some of these other guys, uh, then it will matter who's available. And if there is one of these great coaches um, that, are, that people know can bring them to the next level, Luke's out. Um, but I don't – foresee any of these those types of coaches being available so that's why i don't think anything happens during the season um and i think that it's more uh you know it's we're going to take a look at what happens after the season um who's available and what they can do before they make that decision uh so anyways uh, that's those are the guys that i wanted to talk about uh, ty Lu, thibodeau hoiberg and luke nice uh coop you got any quick 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 being the key NBA hitters. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, Ty Lue, First of all, I want to say Ty Lue, I'm happy for him. He doesn't get the coach of Cavs, and he gets 15 million, so that's not bad. Um, a person who I would fire number one would be uh, Scott Brooks. Uh, for what I've said pretty much earlier about the Wizards, this team is just underachieving. It seems to me they're getting worse and worse by the year, and no closer to a title. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see him get fired, especially if this uh, slide continues. They're what one in six right now. So if they, they ever get, you know, stay around eight, nine, six to ten games under 500, I can see him being gone, um, you know, during this season. Another guy will be, I think, uh, will be the coach of the uh, Oklahoma City Thunder, um, Donovan. Uh, I think if the, this season goes wayward for OKC, uh, you know, they're not playing well record-wise, um, though I'll know that it's, you know, Russell Westbrook's fault, a little bit of Paul George. They can't blame it on him because he's their star. He's the $207 million player, and you can't get rid of him. Uh, so they're going to make uh, Donovan the scapegoat, the fall guy, which I do believe he deserves uh, some blame as well because I think he's just a below-average coach. Uh, he can't rein in Russell Westbrook, and I just don't, you know, see this team going anywhere with him at the helm. So um, so I can definitely see him uh, getting fired as well, though I don't count on it, but I can see it happen. I would take Scott Brooks first. Uh, with Luke Walton, I agree with you. Uh, I believe he does get the rest of the season. I don't, you know, no, no matter how the team plays. And then they'll look at their options next year and see who LeBron might want and, and, and go that direction because, you know, it's a player's league and players get what they want. Uh, my favorite player, Magic Johnson, has gotten the coach fired. So it happens all the time. Jordan got Doug Collins fired. So, wouldn't be, wouldn't be surprising if LeBron has a guy out there and Walton is gone next year, but I do believe he survives the season. So before you go on to NFL, I wanted to make one – I asked, really ask you a question. Mm -hmm. On Scott Brooks in Washington, mm -hmm. do you really feel like it's his fault that that team is out on the slide? I, I mean, the he's question. got no. his two star players hate each other. No, and that has I don't. nothing to do with him. Right, I don't. 
I don't, but he's going to be the scapegoat. I mean, that's just how it's going to be. They're not trading Bill, and they're not trading Wall. Those guys are still going to be there, and it's going to bring another guy in there. But that whole thing is not going to work. I don't like the auto porter. I don't like. I don't they got like, Dwight Howard like too, team. don't they? He hasn't played a game. He's been out because of a oh, back. Oh, really? You remember? Yeah, he's been out, so he hasn't played a game yet. They have Dwight Howard, but you know, I don't think he gives them what they need to, you know, get him past the other top teams in the East. But no, I don't think it's Scott Brooks' fault. But do I think he's a good coach as well? No, I don't. I think he's probably average, but uh, I don't think it's his fault. <clears throat> okay. Yeah, I was just curious. You were quick to, you know, put him under the bus, but I, it, what you're saying makes a lot of sense. But um, I don't know that anybody else comes in and does anything else with two players that hate each other. They're gonna, they have to figure out what to do about that because when you yeah. have two ball dominant point guards, um, yeah, or point, sorry, ball dominant guards uh, who hate each other, uh, it can be rough, right? Yeah. Washington has a history of that problem, right? They can call Gilbert Arenas and see how that works. Oh, yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah. yeah. Even, uh, Javar's <laughs> Critton. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's why they were called the Bullets. They should go back to being called the Bullets because they probably want to shoot each other the way they feel about each other. But, <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I've always said for, the, for that team to prove. It's like when the Warriors had Monte Ellis and Steph, and I always said the guy you trade is Monte Ellis. He might be a little bit more more, more dynamic and provide highlight plays, but he's the guy you have to get rid of for that team to succeed. And it's just like with John Wall and Brandy Bill. You're going to have to get rid of somebody for that team to take the next level and bring in other players. But um, they decided not to do that and keep both of them, so that's on them. Cool. On to the NFL. Yep. Uh, so uh, who might get fired at the end of the year? I think he's actually a decent coach, but him and his quarterback just has a history of not getting along the last few years, and that's Mike McCarthy. I think Mike McCarthy's a good coach, but I just think that team is deficient of talent. Uh, I said in the NFL preview, um, they have uh, they have less talent than the Minnesota Vikings and less talent than the Chicago Bears. Uh, there's a lot of talented players on the Bears. There's not a lot of talented players on Green Bay. Uh, Aaron Rodgers makes up, um, I guess, for – the lack of what the GM should have been doing while he had Aaron Rodgers, while Aaron Rodgers has been the quarterback of that team. Uh, he should have pursued Khalil Mack very hard. He didn't. Uh, they don't, they're not really major players in the free agent game. Uh, they don't do that too much. Uh, they got Jimmy Graham, but that's not their history to go after big time free agents or, or shell out money like that. And I think when you have a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers, you need to do that. Um, so Mike McCarthy, um, I don't think they have – it's a good chance they don't make the playoffs, so I think he he, he could be out after this year. But the guy I would fire, if you're going to fire anybody midseason, uh, would be Dirk Cutter of Tampa Bay. Uh, this team, ever since he took over for Lovey Smith, it was supposed to be a good thing um, because, you know, Lovey's the defensive guy, Dirk Cutter's the offensive guy. And the offense has, has looked okay, but the development of the quarterbacks uh, hasn't been good. And the defense has definitely regressed. That defense is bad. The only team – that hasn't lit up that defense was Baker Mayfield and Cleveland and the Cleveland Browns. Everybody else has just lit up that defense the entire year. So if anybody gets fired midseason, I, I would fire Dirk Cutter and bring in whoever you want to bring in. It's going to be a lost season anyway, so it really doesn't matter. Um, I'm not that high on Denver's uh, head coach, uh, Vance Joseph. Um, I don't think he's the right guy. Uh, it also doesn't help, though, that John Elway can't seem to find a, uh, a good quarterback. Uh, for that team, but I just don't think Vance Joseph is a is a good situational coach, 
And also, I don't, I don't like Steve Wilkes as head coach as well. Steve Wilkes of the Arizona Cardinals. I know they just had a comeback win against the uh, 49ers uh, this past Sunday, but I just don't think Steve Wilkes can coach, and I think he's way, he's in way over his head. So if he gets fired, you know, but maybe a couple games or so before the season ends, that wouldn't surprise me as well because I would fire him and get somebody else more offensive-minded and a better X and O guy for Josh Rosen uh, rather than Steve Wilkes. So those are so the coaches. Let me, let me just comment on a couple of those. So Joseph and Wilkes, I, I, I feel like it's pretty early. I mean, they just, they just got there, man. They, they, they're, they're, their bus pass is still, is still warm. Um, but uh, I, I understand what you're saying from a X's and O's standpoint. I just think that they're probably going to get some time. I think both of them have five-year deals too. So it's, it'd be a little tough to get rid of them and pay them for four or three or four of those. But, um, and then I wholeheartedly agree with you and, and, uh, about Tampa Bay and Cutter. Um, you know, with them going playing the musical chairs at quarterback, uh, it's, it's a pretty safe bet that he signed his own uh, tickets out when he went back to Fitzpatrick, which I think was the right move, and we'll talk about that later. Um, but you know, but I think the ownership is uh, minus them rallying and making a run towards the playoffs. I think the ownership is going to ship him, and I think it's a huge, uh, it's a big statement, man, to talk about the Packers getting rid of McCarthy. But I, I also agree with what your the rationale there. Rodgers and him don't seem to be on the same page. They just traded around everyone, traded away everyone. We're going to talk about trades a little bit later. Um, but, you know, one of the questions I have is, is what the hell are they doing? Uh, but anyways, uh, so, I, yeah, I like your observations, man. I, I, I think those, uh, I think those are, are four coaches that could very well be on the hot seat, except for I think Joseph and Wilkes probably get a little more time just because they're so new. Okay, now Vance Joseph, remember, he was in the same boat as uh, Harbaugh in Baltimore where the owner wanted to fire Harbaugh back in February, decided to keep him, and John Elway wanted to fire, fire Joseph last season, at the end of last season in right. and kept him. So, you know, I don't, I don't know how long uh, Vance Joseph lasts. If you ask me to put money on I don't know how long it, Elway lasts. <laughs> yeah, I, he hasn't gotten a quarter. He, he got Peyton Manning, but uh, it didn't take much except a dinner at one of his restaurants to get Peyton Manning, so he got to do a little bit more. So, uh, name recognition and, and respect, but he's right, there you go. Hey, bro, scouting is not exactly good. I ate thing. at that restaurant though. I'll sign with them boys too. <laughs> right, this shit was phenomenal. I heard they got bro. good steak. I'm not even gonna front. I heard they got them, them is jokes. I'm a raider, but man, it was it was fire, bro. I didn't even have the steak. I you had know, some man. bomb fish. Anyway, continue. Uh, my my last comment: uh, Hugh Jackson getting fired now. You guys know me. I'm I was never a Hugh Jackson fan, even that one season Were with the not? Raiders when they. When they lost the last six, when he lost the last six games uh, with the Raiders, I mean, I just can't forgive him for when the Raiders played the Denver Broncos with Tim Tebow was the quarterback and Tim Tebow only completed completed two passes the entire game and only one of them went downfield. The other one was a lateral, and he still lost. I just can't get that out of my mind. You know but, what? Um, you are right, man. Was, I can't be mad at that. I can't be mad at that. <laughs> can't be mad at was, that. Uh, what was he? Three thirty-six and one with the Browns. But here's the thing, though. He, but he went there, you know, and I will. The ownership has made a, a point of saying that he has been put in a, an impossible situation. Horrible. Um, you know, who there are a lot of really good coaches that have gone through uh, Cleveland and done horribly, right? Yeah. I mean, Belichick did the name the guy at the top, right? But uh, but anyways, I, yes, yeah. I, I know that the moment that that happened. 
you know, can I ask you, let me ask you a question. No, but no, wait, 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 I, wait, wait, yeah, let me finish ahead. though. Let me finish on Hugh. So yeah, yeah. here's the thing. I wouldn't have fired him right now, to be perfectly honest with you, because I think the team didn't quit on him. I think they were still playing oh, for him. Yeah. And if, and if they had a field goal kicker, they'll probably have about four wins right about now. Exactly. So I wouldn't have fired him mid season, but here's the thing I don't like about Hugh Jackson. I mean, just beyond the record, I've watched a lot of Cleveland Brown games. I've picked them in my point spread leagues and actually watched the games. And his, his situational coaching, especially late in the game, is just terrible, which makes me think he's just suited to be a, a coordinator and not an actual head coach. I think a head coach is a little bit too much for him. You alluded to earlier, and you know I know this as well from teams that I support, how they hire number twos to be number ones, and that's just not their thing. And so I just don't think Hugh Jackson is a number one. I think he can be a decent number two for somebody, but head coaching is just not his thing, especially when I see him in hard knocks and he's sitting there just always bragging and talking about how he's the head coach and how he's the man, all decisions run through him. I don't understand why he says it so many times, but like I said, this guy just isn't a head coach. I just think it's a little bit above it, uh, too above his head. But I still wouldn't have fired him, uh, not right now in the in the in the middle of the season. I, I wouldn't have done it. Yeah, what was your so question? The B? question, yeah, so the question I had though is, and it actually speaks to what you're talking about: late game situational coaching. Don't you think that that has or showed a lot of the problems that were going on between Todd Ailey and Hugh Jackson? I mean, it was not a mystery, or it was well known that they did not like each other. Um, that Haley was put forced upon Hugh Jackson or kept by yep. force upon Hugh Jackson, so which is why it was really, really weird to me that they were both gone. I mean, the organization basically put those two in a cage match and said somebody will win and somebody will lose, and then called you know called it off, right? Called it. Um, I was expecting that when Hugh Jackson got fired, and we all it was definitely a win, not if. Uh, that it was because they decided that Todd Haley would be given an opportunity. But the fact that uh, both of them are gone, um, something, I, there's going to be a story. There's going to be a good story that comes out of what happened in that locker room and in and, and those, those uh, things. I think that uh, apparently there was a couple articles that I read that talked about how Baker Mayfield didn't exactly like Hugh Jackson. I think that ultimately was his undoing at the moment that Baker Mayfield. I saw the um, same. Yeah, and the moment that Baker Mayfield showed out and looked like an actual quarterback, and that was pretty much the end of um, of, of Hugh Jackson's future. Well, Jackson, he wasn't going to be there next year anyway, no matter no, what. No, absolutely not. Exactly. Um, yeah, yeah, they had their problems with Haley. Personally, let's just for the record, I would have never hired him to be the head coach of the team. Let's just let's make that clear. But um, with, with Hugh Jackson, I, like I said, I just don't think from what I've seen from him, even back with the Raiders, that he's just a head coach. I just think he's a guy like a Wade Phillips type of guy who was just a coordinator, and, and that's all he needs to be. doesn't need to be a head coach. But a head coach is just too many responsibilities, too many people you have to manage, and I don't think he's exactly good at that. So, Glenn, for the next podcast, what I want us to ask Jason, okay. because he is quick to mow him down, but I've, I've, I've yet to hear the guys that he thinks – are qualified to be a coach and i've said that a couple different times Don't. i want us to talk about that i want i want to hear i want to who are these these guys who are waiting in the wings who haven't gotten a phone call that that jason thinks can be the, a good coach and not just a coordinator and so on and so forth that's a good question yeah no we're gonna i'm so we'll do that, right now we'll do that we, we, yep. should, we should we'll definitely have to put that in on on the on the docket for soon yep
Okay. Yeah, good one. I'm, I'm typing that right now. We'll add that to the show notes, if you will. We're done. All right. Uh, so let's switch from, we talked about, Jason mentioned Dirk Cutter. I think it's Cutter. I don't pay attention to Tampa Bay. I'm going to be honest. So I didn't even know he was the coach until just now. Um, <laughs> you said he should, he's, you know, in line to probably someone who should be fired. He, he hasn't been fired, right? No. Okay. So Dirk Cutter, um, speaking of them in Tampa Bay, he also has a quarterback controversy on his hands with Ryan Fitzpatrick, who was playing very well to start the season or well enough. You know, he's, he's throwing a bunch of TDs, oh, a bunch of long touchdowns. He's playing well. He, he's balling. Yeah. Uh, Jameis, you know, was out. Was Jameis suspended? Yes. Yes. Yes, in the beginning of the season, yeah. Right. For Uber incident or something. For, yeah, yeah. Being, being dumb Some again. He was grabbing booty or something. Yeah. yeah real foolish. Yeah. Uh, so he's either snatching crabs or snatching legs, apparently, which is <laughs> preposterous. So they put Jameis in for like a half or something. He threw a grip of picks, like four of them, and they took him out and put Fitzpatrick in. How do you, what do you guys think about that, man? Is this really a controversy that even needs to be spoken well, of or should well, well, Brian, and four well, Brian, Brian, before yeah. you go, before you go, yeah. I also want to say this real quick. I'm happy they put Fitzpatrick in the game because Tampa Bay covered the spread. Okay, go ahead now. You're good. And and it made all everybody's fantasy wide receivers more relevant. I mean, Evans, Deshaun Jackson, all of a sudden started catching balls again. Huge for me. Um, a whole bunch of good things happened uh, by them putting Fitzpatrick back in. So, you, look, I I totally agree. I never thought they should have benched. I, I think I said this in like the first either the first or the second podcast we were talking about. I don't think they should have ever benched Fitzpatrick in the first place. Um, Seize the lightning, right? I mean, Lakers, uh, Lakers, uh, the Vikings did it last year with their quarterback situation. Um, The Eagles did it last year with their quarterback situation. Every once in a while, you just catch some momentum and you seize it and you go with it. And that's Fitzpatrick this year. The other thing is, is that Winston has never been a great quarterback now he has always been a dynamic quarterback and great for fantasy stats because he'll throw three or four touchdowns a game he makes sure that when they get down to the goal line he's audibling out and doing screen passes and 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 qb keepers um, instead of the dive plays that probably get called so he was always a, a three four touchdown guy he was also always a two or three interception guy uh, and it, just because he's not a very bright individual, which is evident by getting in trouble in an Uber. Um, but uh, he, like, who does that? Um, but anyways, uh, so I think that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were using this season to in part, in large part, to decide what they were going to do with Winston. And I think they got their answer. He's not a good guy. He's not very bright. And he throws picks at an alarming rate. But 12 and 4 games is just obscene. And what they're saying by putting Fitzpatrick in is not that they think that Fitzpatrick is the guy going forward or he's a he's you know the next coming, he's gonna be the Tampa Bay quarterback for years and years to come. What they're saying is we're done with Winston and all the baggage that comes with him. The other thing is, is that Fitzpatrick's a darn good person not per, you know good guy to have on your team i mean the, the team seems to like him sean jackson basically said put him back in or, or trade me um and you know he's he's obviously very smart a harvard graduate um and anyways you you get the point there i think that fitzpatrick will finish off the season as long as he's healthy um as the starting quarterback uh, and then I think that they'll probably keep Fitzpatrick and cut Winston 
draft another quarterback and have that player compete with Fitzpatrick for a year or so. Same thing that's happened with Eli Manning and Kurt Warner. Um, you know, numerous Kurt Warner, a couple different times, actually. Um, Mark Bolger and Kurt Warner. Um, who was the guy in, uh, it was, it wasn't Jake Plummer, but the, the guy in Arizona and, uh, and Kurt Warner. But the point being is, is that Fitz will be one of those guys who has an amazingly long career, um, is always the backup that you can, you can kind of trust sort of like Kyle Horton, right. When he was, he was starting to make his way around the league, um, and putting up videos and, and, and pictures of him with, uh, you know, beer taking a beer bong with a bunch of women but he was always considered a great uh backup quarterback and i think that's just Fitzpatrick's uh calling so that's my thought fair enough cope you got anything on that yeah um well Fitzpatrick like you know Mark Sanchez and like uh McCown from the Jets these are guys that people like and they're good in the quarterback room which is why they have uh continual backup jobs you know like i told all the Kaepernick supporters it's more than being a uh, backup besides talent uh how do you help out in the quarterback room are you willing to hold the clipboard all game you know are do teammates like you you know do you gravitate to you you know what I mean so Fitzpatrick does have those um those qualities which is why he's been around the league and been in the league for so long having said that um I do think it's the right move to go back to Fitzpatrick uh will it matter in the win-loss column no uh Fitzpatrick is definitely not a long-term, uh, you know, solution. Uh, Jameis is a guy pretty much he should just try to get his resume ready and try to his agent needs to try to find him another team because if Tampa Bay is smart, they won't have him on the on the team next year. And uh, probably There's doing no way they're part. paying all that money for him. No way yeah. at all. He's way yeah. too expensive. I would bring in another quarterback. If Fitzpatrick is your starter going into next year, I, I think that's bad. Uh, we know what Fitzpatrick is. Um, he's a he's you know he's average, you know, a backup, whatever. But he's very very limited. Um, at the same time, though, he's definitely the best option for this team right now because it seems like the team had a lot of energy and rallied around him when he came in the game uh, last week. Unlike when Jameis Winston was in the game, so I would definitely have him starting. But it, but I wasn't willing to bet anybody that Jameis Winston does start uh, another game uh, this year. Uh, because we know what Fitzpatrick is. Um, for people to think he's going to have, you know, a bunch of good games in a row, I think is insane because he's just not that quarterback. He's just not that guy, and he's too limited uh, from a physical standpoint. Um, but Jameis uh, needs to go. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick will still be on the team next year. Uh, for that team's best interest, it'll be best if he was a backup helping the new guy, you know, trying to lead this team. Because I do believe Tampa Bay has some talent, but at the same time, I believe that Dirk Cutter shouldn't be there if that team actually wants to, you know, succeed and go farther, have, you know, an above 500 record and possibly a, a playoff bid. I think Kurt Cutter is the person who should not lead the way. But I do like Fitzpatrick as a backup, and I would have him on my team next year as well. Yeah, Fitz has done that in a lot of places, though, where he's come in and people rallied around him and he had, a you know, a few good games, maybe a yeah. bad game or two, and then, you know, it's yeah, back Houston. to yeah him not Same being that way. guy again. Yeah, he's done it a couple of times, yeah. so. Yep. It definitely makes him exciting. I'll give him that People for sure. People like him. For sure. Okay. Uh, cool. So that's Fitzpatrick and Jameis uh, staying with the NFL. A lot of movement as far at the end of the trade deadline, which was cool to see. Uh, the NBA is usually pretty good at that. Free agency and, and uh, trade deadline, people moving around. It's cool to see that in the, in the NFL this year. Uh, some of the trades, and, and we can go um, – let's just go down the list, actually. So the first trade – 
uh, from the Oakland Raiders to the Dallas Cowboys. Number one receiver, Amari Cooper, traded for a first-round pick. I didn't write down, uh, just a heads up, guys, I didn't write down all the compensation. I just know that one because that's my team. But, you know, we'll just get some get some quick hitter thoughts on the five or six trades that happened. So what do you guys think about Amari going to Dallas? Well, I'll start with this one. Um, I, I like the move. I, I wouldn't have done it if I was the Raiders personally. That's just me. But I like the move from the Cowboys' perspective to give a first-round pick for Amari Cooper. Um, they have Dak Prescott. You need to find out what Dak can do. Um, you're going to have to give him another receiver and, you know, and see if he can be that guy. Because after this year, they're going to have to pay him a, a lot of money. And if he's not the guy, you might want to give him whatever you can so you can make so that decision can, you know, be a little easier. Uh, giving up a first-round pick, people say that's a lot. I don't believe so. A lot of the better teams in the league, like Kansas City, New England, et cetera, don't have first-round picks. Uh, it's not about having a first-round pick, but actually what you do with it. And people say, well, you know, uh, the Cowboys could use that pick on a wide receiver from college. Well, nobody actually, I don't think, watches college football because there aren't any top-flight wide receivers this year. Not a good wide receiver uh, draft class. They got the guy from Mississippi, another guy from Arizona State, but these aren't game changers. These aren't Julio Jones-type players, Calvin Johnson, you know, A.J. Green-type players. They're just regular wide receivers. So I believe that— Who's Amari Cooper, though? So so if I'm— I would have made that trade for a first-round pick for Amari Cooper because I do believe Amari Cooper does have talent. I like the first-round so pick. Put me in, Coach. I got things to say. Yeah, I like the first-round <laughs> pick for us. But go ahead, B. Um, yeah, I, I, I take, take exactly what Jason said, flip it, and that's what I think. Um, so, first of all, I think that the, the uh, Raiders just fleeced um, Dallas. A first-round pick for Amari who has – look, he's been solid, He had a, but he has not been – outstanding you would not draft him again with a number one pick or sorry a top pick or a first round pick so why give that up for him uh and then to make matters worse of the guys who were traded for today i think amari cooper is probably the second or third most reliable wide receiver that was done was received today and he's the only one that went for a first-round pick. The other one went for a, a fourth. Another one went for a third with a swap of the seventh. He's younger than um, him, though. He's, so got, he's got like six not, years on that. Not really. I mean, no, you know, not really. I mean, 24 uh, to 30? Yeah, but Amari Cooper's gone in two years. I don't care how, how young a guy is if, if they're gone in two years, which is exactly what he's going to be. He'll, he'll be. he'll be gone in, in a year and a half, two years. The other, the other thing that you mentioned, Jason, is that we're tr- part of the reason to do this was for Dak uh, Prescott. Um, you know, I, Prescott might want to give Carr a call and uh, come up with kind of a conversation about how it works out when you're throwing it to Cooper, who has some great catches and some monstrous drops. Uh, it doesn't necessarily show them what you what what they think it might show them. Anyways, look, Dallas wanted to do it. They got the guy. They're going to go and, and see. They obviously needed a wide receiver. Um, if I were them, I would have gone and got one of the other guys that has a little bit more of a proven track record because you want something that you can rely on um, so you can see what's going on with Dak. I wouldn't have done that one, but that, that's, my, that's my point of view on that one. Actually, I like both sides. I mean, I'm, I'm a Raider, but I like us getting a first-round pick. To Jason's point, I mean, if there's no one else you're going to draft and Amari – you know, coaches have their own egos. So you say, we think we can make this guy great. And if they do, if he's nice, goes back to previous form, it's worth it for them. What are we going to do with that pick anyway? 
if you weren't, you know, unless you're going to trade it to get someone else. Three times in history when that, when that trying to make a, a turn a trade traded player great again or great for the first time. Yeah. But it's ego. I mean, you know, just because it hasn't happened before or, and more so because I don't know, cause I don't, I definitely don't know the history of it. doesn't mean that they don't feel they can do it. So I'm, I think it's, it's cool on both sides. You get a, you get a receiver. He, you know, he may have a resurgence. The new energy may be good for him, but again, you got to see it's, it's all, the point is it's all yet to be seen the pick or the player. So it's kind of the same thing. A first round pick is yet to be seen the same way as Amari is in this case. So, yeah, and, and he's young. So. Right. And also because, you know, it's going to help Ezekiel Elliott too, because uh, Amari Cooper can kind of space out. They can do more three wide receiver sets. They were saying, which is smart to give Ezekiel Elliott more room to run. So I, I definitely understand it from a Cowboys perspective, which is why I would have done it. Yeah. Amari pan out. The other two we'll receivers, yeah. The other two receivers suck. And so it's not like Alan Hearns, Lining up next to Amari Cooper is is going to put fear into DBs and uh, you know spread them out. But well, the, you know, okay, Amari's Whatever. also had good games against Dallas, so that may play into it. Um, all right, so the next receiver on there, let's go with Demarius Thomas of the Denver Broncos, of the formerly of the Denver Broncos, who is now on the Houston Texans. Uh, I don't remember the compensation for it, but what do you guys think? That's okay. Yeah, it was a fourth round and a swap of picks in the seventh. I'll start on this one. This is, in my opinion, so smart by both teams. This was as good, as close to a perfect trade as you could possibly get, right? So the compensation wasn't crazy. Um, you know, Demarius Thomas is a free agent at the end of the year. Denver had already made it very, very clear that they weren't going to pay him next year, the 14 mil last, um, because they went and took two wide receivers in Cortland Sutton um, and then DeSherian, I can't pronounce it, say his name, but another uh, wide receiver early in the round. So they had already basically you know, made their stake and, and they knew they were moving on from Demarius Thomas. The reason to keep Demarius Thomas was if, you know, the quarterback situation had worked out better and Phil and, and, and Denver looked like a, a contender or a playoff team or something like that, Demarius Thomas would have been a, a, a pretty solid a person to keep around. But it didn't and it's not. So they made a trade where they got something instead of nothing when he goes away at the end of the year. On the other side, Will Fuller just got hurt carrying his ACL it's a huge blow because Fuller was having an excellent year and they really needed somebody on the side of, of DeAndre Hopkins and I definitely think Demarius Tom, Tom, Thomas is good enough to be on the other side of the field from a Hopkins where he doesn't have to deal with double coverage because he's not the guy there right Hopkins will always be the guy um, you know and give um, um, give Watson some 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 pieces right give him make sure that he hasn't take a step backwards by losing Fuller so I think that was a, a, a perfect trade. It was close to a perfect trade you can have during the deadline. Both sides made out well. I, uh, I love this trade for Houston. Um, getting Demarius Thomas to pair along with DeAndre Hopkins and, and, and Sean Watson and Lamar Miller I think is great. I think it also helped Lamar Miller as well. Um, and also compensate for that bad offensive line to have somebody to throw quick slants to like Demarius Thomas because uh, he's a bigger body than, uh, than Hopkins. Um, I hate it for Denver. I think it was absolutely, you know, it's just obviously bad for Denver. They only got a fourth round pick for Demarius Thomas. Now they said they weren't going to resign him because they got Cortland Sutton and this other guy who was pretty much at both of them pretty much average in college. So I'm not sure what they're expecting from them in the pros. Sutton's been really good this year though. And also, you know, they don't have the quarterback position straight uh, in Denver as well. So uh, just getting a fourth round pick for Demarius Thomas. I mean, they pretty much got, got, got holes in this deal. Uh, definitely. That's insanity. That's so, absolute insanity. 
so Amari Cooper for a one is a good idea. And Demarius Thomas, who, who was at the end of his, who has no future with the team for a four is a bad pick. Yeah, because he should have a future with the team. They're relying on Cortland Sutton and another guy. I mean, so, yeah, it's bad. You don't pay $15 million a year for a wide receiver when you don't have the rest of your team. You pay that if you're, you're Philly or you know, Minnesota. You're one of these teams that has a chance. They, they don't, they're not going to win a Super Bowl next year. They're nowhere close to winning a Super Bowl. So why do you pay a, as a, a veteran wide receiver you know, 15, year, $15 million a year if you're not ready, you're not close. He was gone. You get the quarterback straight, it won't matter. That's what I'm saying. They don't have the quarterback straight. They waited until they, they figured out that they didn't, and now they're moving on. Exactly. That's why I was bad for Denver. You just proved my point. <laughs> Thank you. No, you no, it wasn't bad for Denver to get something out of that. What you're saying is you're saying is they didn't do this, and so it's bad that they lost to Marius Thomas. They didn't yep. get the the quarterback. So they got rid of and got something for Demarius they Thomas. They got a fourth-round pick. You really think that a fourth-round pick is going to compensate for Demarius Thomas? No, it's not. Demarius Thomas wasn't doing anything there because the quarterback sucked. And they weren't going to win. So you don't you pay the- $15 million a year. Wait a minute. You don't pay $15 million a year if the guy is not, can't get the, no one can get him the ball. They got a fourth-round pick. What's the fourth round? Which is better than the three completions they get a game from him because the quarterback can't. Yeah, it sounds like Brian's taking that they're getting, instead of getting nothing when he walks, they at least get something, I guess. Yeah, I I hear that argument all the time, and I don't really like it. Getting like a six-round pick for like a better guy, I mean, it's like, oh, I got a pick. Congratulations, golf clap. You got a pick. It's not going to do anything for you, so you pretty much gave him up for nothing. But but no, yeah. <laughs> no, what you were suggesting is that he leave for nothing. That's that's why it's insanity. Anyway, no, moving on to the next. No, one. what I'm suggesting moving on, is no, moving on to the next one, man. You yeah, just exactly. Courtland Sutton. You said it. They're relying, no, you're not going to dismiss it. You said they're relying on Cortland Sutton and another guy. That's yeah. a bad Courtland decision. Sutton, I, no, I'm sorry. I watched those games. Cortland Sutton actually looks like a, like it looks pretty solid. So they yeah. need to get a quarterback. That's for damn sure. Yeah. So they need the guy. Just like right. that pick. So Sutton is young. Sutton is young and he's cheap. He's okay. got fifteen million dollars a year, and he's gonna get you're gonna get as much out of him with a bad quarterback than you are to Marius Thomas. Yeah, it's, great, great, great on both sides. On anyway, both sides is yet to be seen, is the end result. So kinda like all these. So the next one, we got Golden Tate to the Eagles. Um sounds like it could be a, a good a good play for them, depending on how it if he if he goes to how he's been, it could be a good play for them. So what do you guys think? Pairing them with Carson Wentz. I like, I like Golden State to the Eagles. Um, I don't think it helps them beat the Rams, and I don't think it helps them close to a Super Bowl. I think they need a running back and need to shore up that pass defense. But I go Golden State as a wide receiver, I like. I mean, it doesn't hurt the team at all. Uh, it might make them a little bit better. But like I said, a running back and a pass defense uh, should have been uh, like a DB. Uh, should have been a, a higher priority. But um, I do like Golden State as a wide receiver. He's a good possession receiver. Uh, you can, you know, pick up first downs uh, for Carson Wentz, trying to keep the chains moving, hopefully keep the defense off the field. But I, I like the move by the Eagles. I'm not sure what Detroit is doing, though. I'm not sure why Detroit got rid of him. I thought Detroit was trying to contend uh, ever since they made that trade for uh, Snacks Harrison from the Giants. So I thought they were maybe trying to contend, but I guess not that they're getting rid of Golden Tate. <clears throat> See, it's, it's the middle of the season, man. And when you realize that what you tried to do to contend didn't work, because your last place in a, I hate to say it because my team is in it, but a, a pretty average uh, division, and you're still in last place, you start trying to figure out what you can do to make things better, uh, your team better going forward. Uh, I, I, I don't, I like Golden Tate. Uh, so 
you know, I kind of say that this is one of those uh, better than average trades because the Philly, the, the Eagles got a, a solid piece to that. But, um, you know, are you saying your Golden Tate's going to be the number one flanker? Nelson Aguilar is going to be the number one receiver. Now you have Jordan Matthews who falls into the number three spot there. Um, he is not a slot guy, so that means you're really only running him on on like third down and deep type sets. So I don't know what's going on there. Uh, DeAndre Carter is is also supposed to have been pretty good. They have a lot of guys on that team, so I'm not exactly sure why they felt they needed the upgrade. There's something going on there, but you know, Golden Tate's a uh, a solid player, and every time he gets traded, such as when he or gets picked up by a new team, he has a pretty solid um, season. So I would I would expect that you know he'll get another. I think he's got like 533 yards, um, three touchdowns this year. Um, you know you can expect him to pick that up a little bit in a in a better uh, system. So you're talking about three or four touchdowns for the second half of the season, you know, and maybe break a thousand yards, which is fair. That's you know that's not bad. Um, but like to what Jason said, I, I don't think that this is the, the move that's going to cement their, their, um, repeat title. Yeah. Well, repeat damn near, but if you're not the page has been pretty damn impossible. So we'll see what, how that turns out for them. The next trade I have on here was Dante Fowler going to the Rams. What about that? I'll start with this one. So, you know, I looked up his, his overall stats and you know he's never been a great player he's got a lot of starts uh so he doesn't have a lot of starts um you know he's only got about 14 sacks in his career uh this trade isn't as big as melvin gordon makes it out to be but i also think it's a very very solid depth move you know the rams are well aware that they can't keep um sue next year with the money that he wants um, and Donald and, and then also sign uh, Goff. So this is it. And it looks like the Rams uh, owner's leadership has basically said all cards out, get rid of the future. Uh, we're going to win and we're going to try and win this thing next year. Uh, it makes sense to me because if you look, if looking at it from with the eye test, they look like the best team in football. Uh, so why not? Why not go and bring another defensive player and, and make that even scarier? I, I saw some stat on ESPN while I was waiting for, for us to start that he has something like a 35% rate of rushing the passer where he gets and gets in the, the backfield. That's a pretty solid number. Um, and that's when he's a, 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 you know someone that gets focused on. He is absolutely and also Rand when it comes to Sue and Donald. Um, and Donald is getting triple teamed and still bowling over people. So he'll get, you know, an extra three sacks this year on half sacks just by being in the backfield at the same time as, as, as Donald knocking the guy over. So, um, so I get the trade from the Rams perspective. Um, obviously there's nothing going on that's decent uh, and Jack uh, Jacksonville. So, you know, whatever there, they, 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 they realized that they moved on. It's not really a big, a big deal on that side, but I get what the Rams are doing. Cool. Jason. Take my first thing, I'm, oh. so, I'm sorry. My first thought thing we lost was, you, brother. I thought we lost you. No, no, no. My first thing was when I saw this trade, I was like, well, how many people do they need? I mean, like I said, in the NFL preview of 
OJ Simpson and Ray Carupo's available. They'll be playing for the Rams as well. I mean, they'll just take anybody. I don't know if they're playing with a different salary cap than everybody. Seems like everybody they sign. Two weeks later, they get an extension. So um, I don't know how he helps the team. He might help. He might not. I don't think he's going to make or break their Super Bowl chances. But, I mean, if they feel Wade Phillips feels he can use them, I mean, Wade Phillips is a good defense coordinator. We'll just have to see what happens. But I have well, just, no opinion. Just remember that the one thing that the Rams have figured out is that in the NFL, you don't have to keep a player just because you sign him. And rest oh, yeah. sure, there's a whole bunch of these dudes that are going to get their walking paper at the end of the year. Oh, yeah, um, definitely. definitely. So that, that's for sure. Yeah, it's not, they're not capologists or anything. Like yeah. They haven't done anything, figured out anything other than, hey, we can sign them to whatever they want to make them happy this season. And then about four of these guys are going to get walked out. But yeah. anyways, yeah, yeah, we're on the same page. They'll have to. I mean, it, it just won't work. But I think it's a, it's a cool move because they needed somebody off the edge. So not saying he's, you know, Khalil, but if you add... Yeah, he's better than Michael Brockers. Yeah, and you add the interior pressure they have, it's going to make a lot of people better because he's getting single coverage. So it's just... it's just yeah. The main thing is if you're an opposing team, to to plan for them is crazy. And that's probably all, yeah, all you, you got, really want. Yeah, you have Sue, Donald, and Brockers right now. Now you have Sue, Donald, and, and Fowler. Um that's a pretty tough line to run up against. Yeah. And you have to. Just straight name. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out for sure. So, Jason, do you know? I think they run a 3 4. Isn't that correct? Yeah, they run a 3 4. But yeah, the so thing they, is, they, you, they, you they can run on the Rams, though. You can run on the Rams. I don't think Dante Fowler helps their run defense, but you can run on the Rams. Teams have done it. Well, you'd have to because they're scoring hella points. So right. you better, <laughs> right. you better well, run true. early and often and make sure that you score because they're yeah, going to take their run what away. I think the Rams have figured out is they're going to, if, if you, all you're doing to try and keep up with them is running the ball. You can't keep up. With you're screwed. Them. Yeah. Not with Todd, not yeah. with Todd Gurley on the other side. You're screwed. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, Dante Fowler to the Rams is that. So then the next one is Ty Montgomery, Ty Montgomery from green Bay to the Ravens. Um, I don't really know uh, what this does. He's at all, a nobody so let to me, know. me. I saw him at Stanford. He's average NFL. Uh, I would have traded him, too, after what he did, you know, just the other game. Um, I have no comment on this guy. He's, he's pretty much a nobody and not really a game changer. Yeah, I, I disagree with you, but there's, for different reasons. Um, I do think it's funny that you piss off Rodgers and you'll get banished. Uh, but, uh, you know, I don't think that that's what this trade should be concerning for people or why people should be looking at it. You have to wonder. I mean, they, they traded Ha Ha Clinton Dix as well, right? The Packers. Um, so they didn't get any players back. Uh, and they weren't exactly, as you actually said earlier, Jason, that they have less talent than some of the other teams in the division and certainly in uh, the NFC conference. So when you trade two players, starting, starting players or starting caliber players in, uh, on their team away, and, you know, you got stuff. But the point being is, what what is that saying about your season? I mean, you we you already used in, in this in our podcast. You said that you think McCarthy's probably gone. Um, you think that Rodgers is probably frustrated with him, um, and they just traded away Ha Ha Clinton Dix and uh, Ty Montgomery. They don't have the kind of depth that it's like oh next guy up. We had this young guy who was just ready to go. Um, you know, they haven't been able to figure out the running back situation in two, three years. Yes. So I don't think uh, Tom Montgomery so, solves it though. So trading. No, that's the point. Really the point is, is I think that what, what we should, what people should be looking at or thinking about in, in, as far as a trade is not 
Ty Montgomery the player, but what it signals or what it could be signaling that the Packers are, are, are quickly imploding, basically, um, because they're not getting anything back, right? They're getting picks. They're getting a future. If you're Aaron Rodgers, you walk into that the GM's office and say, you know, if y'all ain't serious about trying to put teams together that are going to win championships over the next couple of years and you want to bring in a bunch of rookies that I have to show the ropes, you know, it's time for me to get the hell up out of here. And I don't think, obviously, that's going to happen because um, he's around for a little while. But and he just literally just signed a new deal. But you have to wonder if he's going to become the, the 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 attraction on a average team on a nine and seven, eight and eight team. Well, you know, Brian, you make actually a very very good point. Um, I actually think the same way as well. But I also think Aaron Rodgers had a chance to leave. But when he signed that massive deal, I wasn't mad at him getting all of his money. Oh, hell no. Because yeah. Green Bay, you know, they pretty much underpaid on the defensive side of the ball for years. So for him to get that cash and that money, I would have did the same thing, seriously. Because we've seen them without Aaron Rodgers last year. I mean, it's it's they're unwatchable. They didn't even score when they played against the Vikings, I think, last year. I think it was a 19 nothing game. And it's hard to get shut out in this NFL, you know, in this day and age. But, but yeah, so I, I, I agree with you. What but, is that signal? But Rodgers, Rodgers has made it clear he wants to be thought of as one of the best quarterbacks ever. He, you know, he's driven by that. And the only way to do that is to win. And if you, you're getting rid of your players and all you're bringing in is rookies in two years, basically, right? That's when these all these rookies are going to start arriving and, and be real players. Um you, 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 be, you know, he's not going to have, he's not going to be able to put up Brady Super Bowl numbers, no. Ben Roethlisberger Super Bowl numbers, or even Peyton Manning Super Bowl numbers, or even Eli Manning Super Bowl numbers, and and that's really going to hurt his his legacy, um, even more so that he wanted him wanting to be one of the greatest, uh, which you know he'll always be. He really wants to outdo Favre. and he hasn't quite done that yet when it no. comes to Super Bowls, yeah. uh, and you know. Not like you know, like we said, Ty Montgomery is not the topic here. It's what is the team doing, yeah. and why is the team basically looking like they're not very serious about right now, yeah. and they're starting to look towards the future. So, yeah, like yeah. you said, I mean, Montgomery is Montgomery. He's not the make or break. I actually think he's going to get some burn in uh, Baltimore. Baltimore's had a lot of problems keeping yeah. uh, running backs healthy, um, and 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 from you know, let's put my fantasy hat on. You know, this is a guy who can catch the ball out of the backfield, can and can do a couple different things. Yeah. Um, and you know, he he may be relevant um, for Baltimore, but Baltimore's not doing anything either. It's just trading trading deck chairs on on different right. boats that are sinking. Yes, is right. It, and if the, yeah, go ahead, Glenn. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just gonna say, is it the same thing with Ha Ha Clinton Dix? Because that's the last trade. So just you can just kind of blend yeah. that in since it's okay. Green Bay. Well, well, let me go back to, to, to Ty Montgomery real, real quick, and, and I'll start on how I can Dix. Um, with Ty Montgomery, yeah, I think they're going to – Baltimore will definitely try to kick the tires on him. I don't think they'll get much. I mean, if they can put Lamar Jackson at wide receiver, you know, during the game, I, I'm sure they'll find some ways to get Ty, Mo, Ty Montgomery involved. And since you did talk about, you know, Green Bay unloading players, I'll go to Ha-Ha Clinton Dix. Personally, I don't think that was um, – I think getting the pick back for Ha-Ha Clinton Dix was good. I'm not really a fan of Alabama defensive backs because all the those defensive backs, if you just go down the list with, you know, Mark Barron and Kirkpatrick and D. Milner and all those guys, when they play for Nick Saban, those guys just can't cover in space. 
And you have to be able to cover in space now in today's NFL. Nick Saban's guys don't do it because they don't have to. The defensive line and linebackers that Nick Saban has are so good, the DBs only have to cover for a couple of seconds. They don't have to cover in space too much. The only times they ever lose is when they play against mobile quarterbacks like Deshaun Watson and Johnny Manziel who can extend plays where the DBs actually have to cover for more than a couple seconds, and those are the games they actually lose. But having said that, I think uh, Hogden Dix doesn't matter much. I don't think he'll be a big upgrade for Washington. I don't think it takes them over the hump. Um, with this bad, the, with the division being as bad as it is, the NFC East, uh, Washington does have a chance to win it. But I thought they had a chance. I think now they have a chance to win it because, of course, I predicted them coming last. I think now they have a chance <laughs> to win it uh, with or without, you know, Ha Ha Clinton Dix. So I believe, Brian, yeah, I believe Brian, uh, Ha Ha Clinton Dix, he got traded for a pick, right? Yeah. You know what round yeah. it was? Uh, like fifth or something? It was, yeah, it was a middle, middle round pick. It yeah, was, so, 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 yeah, if I'm Green Bay, I would do the same thing. But like you said, just the optics of it, you know, what does it signal that Green Bay is doing if they're trading away starting players? So, yeah. For nothing, for picks, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. But, um, anyways, uh, yeah, I, I always find it interesting that you group all players by what college they played at as opposed to their own talents like all nope. Alabama cornerbacks can't be good because they played for Nick nope. Saban the system. You know, the, it's yeah, the system you, you, but anyways I, I just think that's interesting because you know these players they all they are individuals but um anyways on haha Clinton Dix uh we already said it all I mean he's he's not anything special he's an, he is an upgrade by the way for them at corner uh because they've been getting uh crushed um on uh, in the secondary um, and I think you're you know, dead on, you know, they realize they, they have a weak division. They have a chance of winning it. Uh, anytime you can get into the playoffs, uh, you can win in the NFL. And so, you know, you do what you can. So it didn't have to give up much. So it's a great trade for, for, um, for the Redskins. Yeah. Why, why, why wouldn't you do that? And they have such great quarterback play that exactly. I really think they can go far <laughs> oh in the playoffs. Gosh, you know, that top That's notch. why they're going to really win it. They really have yeah. a, a can, great can I, can single I, caller. Can I say this? I said at the very our very first podcast that Adrian Peterson is going to have a great year. Yep. And he is He's having work. a great year. And I love watching the guy run. Everyone keeps on saying, "Oh, you got to hate him now because he's in." I, I, no matter where that guy goes, I love yeah. watching him run. He runs hard every play. But anyways, neither aside. Uh, Hot yeah. Hunting Dicks. Good luck to you. Um, it'll be interesting to see what that means for the Packers this yeah. off season and, and, and the next couple of years. Yeah. yeah. Two, two things real quick. I think Adrian priest is on pace for, I think about 1500 uh, yards this year. He ain't going to get that. And, with his uh, yeah. And number, and number two about the Alabama system players, uh, uh, Nick Saban yeah. recruits a certain type of player, yep. well, well, fine. This, but, but they, but they, and, they get to live their own lives once they leave there, man. You just, you, for the rest of their lives, you know, you, you, he's a Nick Saban quarterback as opposed to Ha Ha Clinton Dix. I just think that's weird. Once that, once they're a, still, they're, they're still stiff and can't cover in space. You just can't deny that. Once, <laughs> a, once with Saban, uh, always with Saban. All right, so apparently we'll have to throw that into a show too, like the the Nick Saban, uh, the Nick Saban conundrum, man. Why this guy is such a big fan, but on to I'm not a fan of Nick Saban. What? Not at all. Oh wow. He hasn't, he hasn't coached the U yet. Could have fooled, yeah. fooled me for sure. Okay, so next episode, or next episode, next topic uh, to something we all agree on as far as love of team, maybe not the moves they're making at times, but the Lakers, uh, we're kind of a current health check of the team. I know it's still way too early. We're still 
figuring out where things are going and, and what's happening. So kind of what are your thoughts on the current health check of the team, um, where they're going, where they've been, what we look like, and also with Rondo and Ingram coming back, kind of what – how do you see those lineups going? So this is just going to kind of be a more open conversation between you two. Jason, go ahead and kick us off. Uh, you know, it's same, pretty, pretty much what I've said before. I think this is just a trial to see who can, um, who can play with LeBron. Um, from what I've seen, uh, I think Alonzo can play with LeBron. Uh, I think Rondo is not that great of a fit for LeBron. Maybe that might change as the season progresses. But I like Hart. I like Alonzo. I like Kuzma uh, playing with LeBron. And, uh, and what's that guy named? McGee. JaVale McGee. Um, the jury's still out for me for, for, for Brandon Ingram. And uh, I think Lance Stevenson is okay. But uh, I think Lonzo's a better fit, seems like to me. Lonzo and Hart are better fits for LeBron uh, than Ray John Rondo. And that's it. Let me uh, – okay. First of all, I, I, anytime anyone says anything positive about Lonzo, I just kind of wince. But um, Lonzo currently has the worst plus minus of any Laker. Um, he's negative 44 in the season. So anyone who's telling you that he's playing better or talks about his stats and his shooting – um, they're, they're falling for the optical uh, illusion that is that is his game this season because he's actually making the team worse with every moment he's on the basketball court. Um, I, I get, you know, that because he likes to pass and he has great court vision, he does, uh, that people think that he can play on a team with LeBron. Um, but, you know, what, they're, what defenses are doing is that they're just basically leaving him alone in the corner taking away his playmaking ability, you know, his assists are actually down because he likes to take best shots and everyone's like, yeah, I'll be glad to take a lot, you know, let you a lot of shoot over him making a play uh, to one of their players. So anyways, um, I do agree with you on Rondo, you know, guys who cannot shoot uh, such as Rondo just are never going to be perfect fits. But I do think that Rondo has his leadership, um, uh, his tenacity are, are things that that can have value on a on a team. Uh, when I think the real story about the lineup is Kuzma versus Brandon Ingram, kind of worrisome. Uh, you know, Kuzma came out today and said, "I think I'm a starter. I've never had the opportunity to really be a starter. I've always been the guy who starts." when uh, someone else is hurt, but I, I think of myself as a starter. And, and Ingram yesterday came out and said, uh, I will be starting. I know that. And I am in the starting lineup. There's no question about that. I will be. And then what do they do? They, put, they make this new lineup that has both of them in it and takes out Hart, um, who absolutely needs to be in the starting lineup. If you're building a team – for the Lakers that's going to be competitive, you build it based on filling the gaps. And Kuzma is a dynamic scorer, not great defensive player. Um, he should lead that second group because he gets free reign to do what he does best, which is score. Um, Hart is a great defensive player, smart guy, uh, plays well with others, makes up for the, the, the deficiencies on the defensive end um, because Lonzo Ball likes to go for for steals. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm just saying he, he likes to be aggressive and, and as a result can get burned sometime, every once in a while. Uh, so anyways, I, I don't necessarily understand what they're doing in the lineup. Uh, Lance has been solid. He plays hard. He acts like a jerk and gets other people in trouble. Um, but the point of that 
every time I see Lance Stevenson, I don't care how well he plays in my mind, because he makes the exact same amount of money. It was a trade for Lance Stevenson for, for uh, Julius Randle. Julius Randle should be on this team. I will say it every single time we talk about this, Julius Randle should be on this team. The guy didn't take a, didn't slip even an iota. He's averaging 17 and eight, which is exactly what he averaged last year. And now he's playing alongside of another big guy, which makes it, which everyone thought might make it a little harder for him to get points in, in production. But he, and he is the big force that we need. Lance is playing really well. Um, you know, I hate to take it away from him because of my own bitterness about not having Julius Randle. Uh, and then JaVale McGee has been a stat, you know, God, basically. People putting out memes talking about how he might be better than Carl Anthony Town. Let's, let's take it take it down a notch, but um, he's been he's been outstanding. He's just not a very smart player, though. He makes some really dumb mistakes. Uh, he, he's got like permanent residence on Shaq and a fool. I agree. Yeah, I'll be interested so. to see as far as the lineup goes because I still feel like it's we're so early in the season and with Luke trying to figure out who he has and who people are because this team is almost completely new. We, you know, we had the young guys returning. It's like how, he's still working to figure out who's going to play where. And like our starting lineups, we've had a bunch since this season started. In the games I've watched, I've been able to see them all. But Look last year, though, dang, every Luke game Walton's had a different. Always start. had his tinkering problem with his lineup. I mean, last year he did the same thing. Guys, have been he was changing lineups left, right, and center. I mean, I, I think that's a Luke thing. Yeah, I'm interested to see who it's going to be because, like. You know, it wasn't like that when you had the Warriors, but you knew who it was. Here it's like, who's going to do what and also using it as a motivational tool possibly. But yeah, I think it's interesting. You know, it's still early and I'm interested to see how it shakes out over time and what lineup we can consistently win with, you know, win a few games and see if it sticks and, you know, who's going to step up and if guys can fall into a role. Because I feel like right now, we're you know, just like we saw with Kuzma and Ingram, we have that the starter you know, oh, I should start. I should start. I, sh you know, everybody feels like they should start. So, you know, who who gets defined into a role? Who takes that role? And kind of where that shakes out over the next month or two? Because it's still early. Well, I mean, we're three weeks in, right? Yeah, and Luke Walton needs to let some lineups play for a little while. Because um, I, if you know, front front bet, I'll, I'll bet you a dollar that the starting lineup is different tomorrow than it was yesterday. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised. And, then, and they also yeah. had the the the. Uh, suspension and you know like it's just it's been a weird first couple weeks so we'll see how it goes um just for fun here's a conspiracy theory for everybody lance and clarkson went to cleveland and we got lebron randall goes to new orleans anyone think we can get ad out of the deal man i'll take it yeah seriously i really, I really <laughs> want clay thompson man I'm gonna say that every every chance I I, I agree with able, you wholeheartedly. That's really who and, I want. And, and if we go back to the beginning of one of our pod, we were talking about that. I think I think Clay Thompson is the one who's most likely to end up here. Uh, and boy, he can play two way player. Would absolutely love it. I think that would be something to put us definitely more more solid in the conversation because. I mean, and, and he is going to have free reign. Like, he could be the man. He's going to be open. He's going to have shots. We need a shooter. He's can sh damn to shoot all he wants and plays good defense. Could be pretty interesting. Anything else, Coop, as far as the Lakers are, are concerned before we go to the next thing and wrap this up? No, nah, I just think Hart should be starting. Yeah, I like agreed. Hart. Yeah, I think, we'll agree. I think we'll all agree there. Fair enough. So this next um, segment, uh, I called it to quote a Tupac line, if something's on your mind, let it off. Uh, it's just a, a minute to to speak about a topic that you want to talk about. No rebuttals, no other conversation. Something that Jason brought, which uh, Brian and I and we all agreed on, thought was a pretty cool idea. So, 
we'll let you get the first one, Jason. This is uh, this is your chance to speak your mind. Go ahead. Yeah, it's about the New York Giants and the the dumb, stupid decision not to draft Sam Darnold with the second pick of the draft. Um, of course, we all know they drafted Saquon Barkley, who was a good but not so a spectacular running back where you would draft him with the number two pick. Um, his last year in college, he averaged under three yards per game in three of the games. Um, of course, Ohio State's the best team in the conference. He averaged under three yards a game against them. He only had three games last year in the Big Ten where he had over 100 yards. They play about eight or nine Big Ten games. He only had three of them when he had 100. Contrast that to Ezekiel Elliott. He had eight games in the Big Ten where he had over 100 yards. Uh, last year in college football, he had the most yards lost by a running back. And his best three games last year came after a bye week or a sorry team like, you know, Presbyterian State or something like that. So, you know, I would have never drafted him based on his college body of work, number two. On top of that, um, maybe people don't know how Ezekiel Elliott runs, but he's the kind of guy who, for instance, let's just take Jacksonville, for instance, first game of the year. He had 106 yards rushing, averaging 5.9 a carry. You look at that stat like, oh, man, he killed it. But the thing is, one of those carries went for 68 yards, which means the other 17, they only went for 38. And that's the kind of running back Saquon Barkley needs. That's why I didn't think he would help the Giants that much. Because what Eli, when you have a quarterback as bad as Eli, you need a a running back that's going to get you four yards a pop, four yards a pop, four yards a pop. Now the guy's going to give you one and two and negative yards and bust out a 20, 30-yard run and go back to one, two, three-yard runs. That's what Saquon Barkley, that's what he does. Um, there's games this year where he's at four games this year where he's averaged uh, what one, two, three, four. Yeah. Four or five games. He averaged three yards a carry. Now it's over yard overall. He averages four point what eight yards a carry. But as you see, like I said, he's more of a home run guy, not a steady running back guy. But the reason, another reason why I blame the giants for all I'm actually enjoying watching them lose, to be perfectly honest with you. And I'm glad Odell came out maybe a week or so ago and actually kind of called out Eli. Um, the owner came out and kind of blasted Eli. I mean, kind of blasted Odell, told him he should stick to playing football. But I'm not mad at what Odell did. That's who he is. That's what he does. We all know that about him. So it's not off brand for him. And they gave him that massive contract. So they pretty much empowered him so he can pretty much say what he wants to say. But it was actually the truth. Eli is just a very, very bad quarterback. There isn't a top flight quarterback coming out of college next year. So unless they get one in free agency, uh, the Giants, who actually has some talent on offense, will be bad again next year if they can't, you know, get that quarterback position straight. So I'm not mad at Odell. I blame the Giants. I blame the Giants' ownership for being scared to get rid of Eli and being scared of the Manning family and football royalty and not doing what was right for the team by getting rid of Eli. So I'm happy to see the Giants go down in flames, and it's all the ownership's fault. That's it. I can't, re- I can't respond to that, huh? Fair enough. Nope. All right. So uh, my turn. Your turn, Brian. My, t- my turn. Uh, my completely different topic, right? So, so my my time on the mic is going to be about athletes and politics. There are those who would say that they shouldn't get involved in politics, um, and that you know they should stay to what they what they're doing, what they're paid to do. Uh, but because they are in large part minorities who have come from and understand impoverished and bleak situations, um, they should be commended for, for using their stage to try and help others. You know, Kaepernick had a belief and, and did what he thought was right. He didn't do it for fame, as it was, uh, as it was almost a month before anyone even noticed what he was doing. 
Um, he wanted to be on the right side and just. And so when a Green Beret said kneel instead of sit on the bench, he listened and adopted that practice. LeBron has built schools, spoke out about Trayvon Martin uh, when, uh, when Trayvon Martin was killed, along with others uh, like Dwayne Wade and Carmelo Anthony. Uh, Curry and, and LeBron have been pushing back against Trump. And when Trump comes out gunning for them, they just show why they just show why Trump is being outclassed by them. Um, so and it's not only, you know, the black athletes and, and sports figures, uh, Greg Popovich and, and, and Kerr have been absolutely amazing in how they have spoken up, pushed, uh, pushed, you know, against the, the wrong things that are going on in politics today stuck by their players and never for a moment put pressure on them to do anything different than be themselves, talk about what they wanted to talk about, and give them the freedom both on the basketball court and off the basketball court to make sure that you know, they, can, they can express what they needed to express. And it's necessary because whether you know, Charles Barkley was always wrong, right? He is a role model. These kids, these guys are role models. They are more so role models than, than you know, I am as, as a dad because you know, my son, when he gets to the point where he starts idolizing athletes, there's nothing I can do about that. I can, I can come in and, and say, hey, son, I, I, you know, I, I did an amazing thing at work and blah, blah, blah happened. And then somebody's going to go hit a jump shot. He's like, that guy's the greatest in the world. And so it's important that, that our kids see these people that they're, they're following day to day, you know, talking about things that are important. And just being engaged, right? We have one of the most important elections of our of my lifetime, almost certainly coming up in a, in a in a week or so, and you know the only way that our younger generation is going to be is going to become engaged in politics and understand what's going on is having the sports and uh, sports figures being engaged because they're going to think that that's part of the job and it should be. Um, and it's you know it's also a shame that the NFL is so far behind the NBA on these types of social issues. But I've I've said that numerous times that the NBA understands their players better and, and knows what how it is to work with them. Um, so that's kind of what I wanted to talk about. The other thing that I will say is watch Shut Up and Dribble on Showtime that comes out this weekend. It's a three part uh, response and in, in, in part to um, what was said to LeBron by a Fox reporter. Um, and then the other thing is, for all the people who always wonder about, you know, what's going on with, uh, you know, why Jason and I are the ones talking so much, and and Glenn kind of fills it in. You can always listen to the Now Slapping podcast with Glenn leading that show, talking about music. There's lots of it's lots of fun to listen to. It's also got a lot of great music, and that's my rant. Man, thank you. That's a a good segue. I appreciate that, B. Thank you. Uh, yeah, as of course. As Brian said, I do have the Now Slapping podcast at N-O-W-S-L-A-P-P-I-N, podcast and Twitter. Um, I don't talk as much because it's not my show. I'm here to curate and enjoy I, talking to my cousins. Um, I talk to them all the time also, so I don't need to do it here. I let them let them get off and, and make their points. But for my, my minute or two, I just really want to make a plea for common sense and research to come back into conversation, if that's at all possible. Uh, right now, the way social media goes and just everyone has a platform, right? So we're becoming a society, and I put myself in it too, uh, where, you know, you see an article, you read the the headline and retweet it and start spewing as if you know what's going on, kind of that Kanye speak and that he's now come out and said, oh, you know, they were using my my celebrity or whatever my thought was used against me. I didn't, you know, I wasn't paying attention kind of thing. He's He's caught up that they were using him as a figurehead. Same kind of thing. Let's bring some common sense back 
I know my grandfather used to say common sense isn't so common. It's true. Do a, let's do a little research. You know, I, I love talking to Jason and Brian because they know what they're talking about. Yeah, there's opinion in there, but they also they're coming with stats. They've also read something. Um, you know, I'll, I'll give you the example. I'm hearing people. Um, shout out to my to the, the Sac Kings, for instance. I, I'm I lived in Sac. I love the Kings. I'm rap for the team, but. You know, we're already talking about look at the Kings record versus the Lakers. Look at the Kings versus Houston. I mean, come on. We're eight games in. Do you think this is how the season's going to end? I hope they do great. But let's let's put some common sense in here and, and give stuff a chance to settle out um, with the Raiders. You know, the Raiders are I don't know what that was. The Raiders are moving and you guys are stupid for this and that. But it's a business. Let's let's keep this in mind. My team would do the same thing your team would do if given all that money to move. The trade, the rebuild, you know, if you're not a Patriots fan, your team isn't hasn't won a, a bunch of Super Bowls recently either. Let's be cool. Let's let's use some common sense. Let's talk to each other like we have some sense. Use some respect. The way politics are going, people are just spewing off whatever's on the top of their head is fact on Facebook, on Twitter. Let's let's get back to thinking before we speak. That's all I'm saying. My whole rant is on that. If if I can leave you with anything. Please think before you speak. And if you can't do it in general, do it when you talk to me. That's all I ask. So that's the uh, end of my rant. I think that's a great segment, Jason. I'm looking forward to hearing the future ones. Uh, thanks, Brian, for the shout out. Always a pleasure speaking with you fellas on the Sports Counterpoints podcast. This is episode five. Uh, before we get out of here, any last words, guys? No, man, always a pleasure to, to chat with you guys. I'm, I, we, 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 well, we probably talked for 30 minutes even before we started the podcast, so that's obviously nothing new. But always a pleasure. This was a lot of fun. Uh, looking forward to the next one. Coop, anything you good? Yeah, I love doing these. Looking forward to the next one, definitely. Yeah, for sure. We'll have uh, some, some uh, commentary on this 49ers Raiders uh, Bosa Bowl that we're going to Thursday to see who could be the worst <laughs> team in the league. Uh, so... <laughs> There'll be a plenty, oh, of, yeah. plenty of drinking so we can enjoy that one. So, Oh, I forgot. Yeah, me and Glenn are actually going to the game. Uh, I don't want to tell you what sections we're at just in case none of you like my comments. So I don't want you to come shoot me. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, we'll be at the game. Hopefully we'll be a little bit faded before we actually get in because uh, – Have to. Yeah, it's not going to be good. Yeah, yeah have to. It's going to be good. Most definitely. Yeah. So, as always, I love you guys, man. Thanks for letting me be a part of the show, and we'll catch everybody next time. Peace. Soon.